What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And today we have a special episode for you uh, yeah. doing something that we have not done before. And I know Ever. we've said that several times, but this is really, <laughs> really, really uh, something new for y'all. So for those who follow the podcast, every once in a while you'll hear uh, both of us talk about you know what we've done with music, but specifically with Yinka. I'm not sure if you all have been aware, but he's been recording an album for the last how many? Really, two years. Last two years. Yeah. And it's about to be released pretty yes, soon. The Departure LP. It's called The Departure LP. And I have not had a chance to listen to this album yet. So, but we thought, hey, you know, why don't we try uh, our hand at this little interview thing? Right. And I'm going to interview my partner uh, with, with, with the exclusive for, uh, for, for his, for his LP. Yeah, so we we'll bring it gonna, out on our format first. Right. So we're just going to get right into that. So yeah, yeah. without further ado, uh, the departure explain yeah. well, what, what went into the, the nomenclature of this yeah. album. Um, well, we talked a little bit on the first episode about how travel is a big part of my life. I mm -hmm. like to travel. I like to go a lot of places. So that's the obvious, uh, you know, uh, kind of connotation there. Um, additionally, I really felt like I've done a lot of growing in life. Okay. Um, and so, um, I think like the album was kind of supposed to be a discussion of like departure from, you know, um, childhood things, childish things into like, you know, adulthood growth. Okay. So when you talk about childish things, are these things that you realized, uh, I don't know, as a 30 some year old, are you referring to childish things like that you were doing in high school or childish things that still in your twenties or just, yeah, probably more so like, you know, childhood. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people would describe my music as like California music. Okay. I think I, I throw back to my days of being in Southern California a lot. Mm -hmm. um and within my music and my musical taste etc so it's more like child childhood childish things as in high school you know back then type stuff okay uh real quick on the uh the departure just in terms of the traveling aspect yeah. um where were you when you came out with the intro i have actually heard a few tracks on this right and the the intro track uh, is um, was it like instructions at an airport? Like yeah. what's going on there? So I was uh, I was on a project actually that had me traveling a lot to uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. And so uh, it's funny actually. I, I I did this a few different times, but I would be traveling and I would just pull out my phone and start recording the flight instructions mm -hmm. at the beginning of, of some of my flights. And it's kind of cool. Like I have um, I have the instructions from a flight uh, to Italy. You know, I have one to Spain, like, so I have actually some cool ones, but, okay. uh, you know, I, I chose between them. Obviously, I ended up choosing an English language one because it's like, nobody okay. would understand what the fuck the person was talking about when I, you know, But, but, but when you go to Italy books. and yeah. Spain, don't they do two languages? Or yeah, they, they do just, both. Okay. Um, but I mean, I only recorded the one in the other language because I just thought it was so you're cool. you're not even going anywhere sexy. You're just going to shot. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't Carolina. say where, where, where we are. It's just person's just giving departure instructions. Okay. Um, so you said you've been working on this for around two years. Do you remember specifically when you started and what decision you made to say, hey, you know, I want to make something else? Because if I'm not mistaken, this would be your second or third? Third. This would be your third. Yeah, it's my third project. Um, well, I mean... Well, actually, before we get into where what made you want to start this one, let's right. actually get into those other two projects because okay. I was only familiar with one, and that was was it the the, the new... Radiant Child. Okay, so there's so New Art, the New Money. That? There's New Art, New Money, and then there's the Radiant Child. Okay, uh, right. so New Art, New Money. When mm -hmm. did you release that? That one came out in 2012. 
Okay, and then the Radiant Child. Radiant Child was 2014. Okay, and of those two projects, do you have a, a preferred? Like, which one? If if one of our you know listeners wanted to go back mm-hmm. before they could listen to the departure yeah. and get a good sense of Yinka Diz, which mm-hmm. one? Which of those two would you recommend? I think it's kind of similar to how we talk about you know uh, Doggy Style versus The Chronic. Like, I okay. think um, if you like like raw lyrics, like you you're really just into like lyricism, punchlines, uh, cadences. I actually feel like I rapped better on New Art, New Money. Okay. Um, but I think that The Radiant Child is where I really, really just settled into like this is my sound. Like, mm-hmm. I think. The Radiant Child is just a better, like, cohesive album. Like, the production, the, the way the songs are organized, arranged, etc., I think is, is the better of the two. Okay. So, uh, so you released The Radiant Child 2014, and then uh-huh. a year later, you decide to pursue this project. Yeah, actually, it's weird. A year later, I, I, I basically had, I've, I've basically been sitting on this album for like two years. Like, okay. I've, 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 I went through a lot of, I guess, labor pains with this album. Just, um, you know, a year ago. So I I started on the album. I worked on it. Um, I had maybe about half of it done in, was that maybe 15? Okay. So then I would say that's when I was like, okay, this is an album now. You know, it's going to be called The Departure, whatever, whatever. Um, and so I spent about a year just developing the rest of it. A year ago, I took, I, it was June of 2016. I had the whole album. I took it to a mixing, you know, mixing mastering studio. I was like, yeah, I want to get this whole thing done. Um, Where and did you take that to? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to call cats out, but no, but I yeah. mean, just general location. Oh, here in the, in this okay, area, gotcha. yeah. And so, um, you know, Northern Virginia area, and essentially, it was just like, you know, couldn't get the mixes, mm. cu- couldn't get a hold of folks. Cats were out of town. Cats were sick. Cats. It was just like a whole lot of waiting, you know, sitting on your hands and waiting. Um, and it's funny because, you know, as a fan, as a fan, like, it, I feel like it's difficult to be a Yinka Diz fan, you know what I'm saying? Because it's okay. just like, you know, as a fan, I always hate when my, my artists, you know, they don't release music, like, you know, on the cadences <laughs> that I want them to. Or, you know, they tell me something's coming and then they tell me it's coming again. And I'm like, all right, dog, you gonna drop your shit or nah? Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the labels, hold ups or whatever, whatever. So... I guess it's kind of a a, a learning experience for me because as a fan of my own music, I'm I'm disappointed in the delays that I've had for my music. So So Yinka is not Yinka's biggest fan. (laughs) Yinka Yinka is disappointed with Yinka Diz right now. Yinka is definitely disappointed with Yinka Diz. But but, you know, uh, fret not because, you know, as a result of the issues that I I guess resulted in this coming out so late, Mm. um, I'm going to be putting out another project, you know, a few months uh, after that I'm working on. So, oh, so it, yeah. where are you in the development process for that album? Do, do we have a name? I'd say I'm about a quarter of the way through it. Okay. Um, and it's called uh, I.E. A Love Story. I.E. A Love Story. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like a... So the, if this is departure, this is like the growth, and this is where I am currently, I.E. A Love Story is a throwback to where I was. So it's the pre... It's like, it's so a we're prelude. departing from childhood, but then we're going back to it. Yeah, it's a okay. prelude. Because, cool. um, I mean... So for the folks that don't know, New Art, New Money and The Radiant Child, those are were Basquiat inspired. And so, um, you know, I really I got into Basquiat, you know, in 2012 or whatever, watched a couple movies about him, had read a bunch of articles and things like that. So for a lot of folks that don't know, The Radiant Child was actually the name of the first 
feature article that was done on Basquiat. Interesting. The second was called New Art, New Money. Interesting. So, um, I did not know that. So, yeah. So, and that was when he kind of was coming into, you know, being wealthy and et cetera. So, well, there's did, a whole... Did, did he acquire wealth? Yeah. What was he? Le- what, late? That was late 80s, early 90s? When was that? I don't was know, Basquiat? 70, Basquiat 80s, was 70s? 80s. 80s. Okay. I, yeah, okay, okay. I think 80s would have been would have been it. I didn't realize that if he had acquired a lot of wealth. So, at one know. point in time, uh, he was known for, he would buy these really expensive Italian suits, and then he would paint all over them. And he'd really? wear them uh-huh. like all fucked up. And, and he it had a lot of interviews where they'd say, you know, you're wearing a $3,000 suit. Like, why did you paint all over it? And he would just talk about how like, you know, he just had a different idea of the aesthetic of what beauty was. And he felt yeah. as though like, almost like a, like a sticking it to the man type of thing, like with the way he would dress and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I thought Basquiat was super interesting. But um, well, he is obviously interesting. I'm curious right. how much those suits were, would be worth now. Good, good point. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question, actually. I wonder if they... they people still have them because I know like you know there was a time frame where people were I don't know taking drain covers that had Basquiat art on them and selling them for thousands and thousands of dollars shit I mean look what you know that's how Banksy makes his money makes his living Banksy's nice by the way uh yeah right he's dope yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but um but yeah so uh so you know the Radiant Child and New Art New Money um kind of show a certain progression mm-hmm. and the Departure LP is the cap on that kind of era of Yiga Diz albums. Okay. Um, so I'm resetting the series, <laughs> and that's what uh, IE Love Story is. Okay. So well, let's focus a little bit more on the departure. Right. Um, so we've got, um, I guess, 10 tracks. Uh, officially, we have 11 with the intro, and then we also have a bonus track, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. So um, which ones, I guess, were the, the first ones that you that you uh that you recorded that's a good question um so funny enough or not funny um goodbye don't cry Mm -hmm. um is a record that i recorded actually in 2012 Mm -hmm. that record was initially going to go on new art new money Mm -hmm. um but new art new money was kind of like more of a mixtape like i recorded over some like beats you know random beats like that i got on beat tapes and stuff like that so um don't cry was produced by my boy lalo really really love that song um it's you know a song that's very near and dear to me about something that's very important to me so as a result of that i wanted it to have a home on an album of all originally produced music and so i I held it okay and so now we're finally gonna get don't cry so some of my friends have heard that song five years ago well i guess i'm more curious about you Mm -hmm. said that you had like half the album done in in 2015 right kind of been sitting on it so So i'm curious like what are the collect like what are those collections of songs the first record was uh hear me though hear me though and i put hear me though out actually in 15. okay um i think i've actually heard that one yeah that's the one with the video Mm -hmm. and i'm like driving in the car in the whole nine in cali right so uh yeah that was the 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 first one um night in dubai was early on you've been to dubai yes sir okay. and i got a video with it um yeah so uh, dubai dubai was uh was an interesting experience um i have that, feelings on that place yeah so but uh you know i mean the whole album has like a kind of a travel tinge to it um night in dubai is actually not about dubai but uh it's about how kind of breathtaking dubai is mm-hmm um and so the whole joint is like you know myself and my people like we shine like a night in dubai it's it's more like the the breathtaking nature of the sights of dubai okay so so 
what I'm, I guess, what I'm really curious is about is that uh, you know you are a working professional. You have right. a full time job. Yes, sir. Um, what are exactly are aside from the obvious time constraints, right? What mm. are some of the the challenges that go with? You know, would you consider this like a money-making venture or is it more a passion project? It's definitely a passion project. Uh, I would love it to be a money-making venture. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say for it to be a money-making venture, I just, I would need to have a lot more time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, where we are with music today, um, people don't buy music, they buy images. Sure. Um, and so marketing is more important than music, mm -hmm. in my opinion, um, if you want to make money at it. So, um, you know, for me, this... This is a labor of love just because I, I this this is music a lot of this music is 2 years old. You know what I'm saying? So it's like for me it's it's so weird like I feel like being a musician is um, or being a creative it's almost like the definition of insanity, right? Like it's like <laughs> I can see that. it's like in your brain something exists that doesn't exist in the world. Right. And so like to as a as a creative to have to sit on an idea for 2 years, it's almost painful. You know what I'm saying? So like like this music is very old to me like i i just want to get it out there so everybody else can hear it because i've been hearing these songs for two years well aside so, from some um, of the some of the you know issues with the mixing i mean right you know what's been the hold up yeah um i mean i i produce i produce certain records and you know maybe have to if i if i produce it with another artist having to go back to the artist to get you know if if it's elements of the beat you know um for example uh, revolutionary which is is my uh my outro mm -hmm. i produced that record um i have a live guitar that my boy tone who's uh in a band in la he did he did but then i think we actually did the session twice i flew all the way out to la he played guitar thought it was dope made the beat around it i think i lost the session file or something like that went out to la another time was like yo tone you available we did it again <laughs> we actually lost we lost a session and you know shout out to tone my bad brother like we we did like three sessions that first day um and one of them was are you, you're are you familiar with like dj quick albums um vaguely so you know dj every dj quick album has what's called quick's groove mm -hmm. and quick's groove is just like it's almost like just jazz it's an instrumental song that just has a bunch of instruments and there's no words on it so I wanted to make like a Yinkas groove. Mm -hmm. So I made this track and Tone played the guitar on it and he murdered it. Like the, like the song like features, prominently features his guitar parts. Mm -hmm. He killed it. I lost that session. And I was like <sighs> super sad about losing that session. I think that's- How, did, how does one lose a, a very important session? So I was in Atlanta uh, at a music conference. Mm -hmm. I rented a car, whole nine, uh, and I came back to my rental car and Everything was stolen out of it. Uh, my laptop was stolen. My Did they hard break drive the windshield? Yeah. They, well, are the are the windows? Nah, they actually um they jimmied, they jimmied the car. And uh, so That's I mean I had to you know I had the police had come, but it was wild because they got everybody on the block. So like the car in front of me, the windshield was actually smashed out. Um, but with mine, they said that um I think the car I was driving was like a charger or something, whatever it was, because the cops came. And they were like, oh, you got this type of car? Yeah, this is the easiest car, like, car model to, like, Jimmy. So they didn't even bother breaking your windshield because they could just do that. But whatever. I think anyway, you won't be renting that car anymore. Ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, you know, things like that, um, you know, versus. It's funny to hear it from an artist that's not, you know, like, I'm not, like, trying to get a verse from 2 Chains or anything right. like that. But, 
getting folks you know who, to collaborate because i have a, a number of collaborations on the record uh and you know i mean people people got lives yo you yeah. know it's, it's difficult so um i think one of the other things is um and i talk about it a little bit on the album but my cousin Feiji uh was like my biggest strongest advocate and supporter he passed away but like when he was when he was here he would always call me yo what you working on you got any new songs mm -hmm. i gotta hear some the people need this whatever whatever he would always be on my head and so i think it forced me to put put out music at more of a cadence and it also like kind of created that demand you know in a way because when you're not like when you're not like a mainstream artist that's out here mm -hmm. you, you have a less direct to fan relationship with your fan base right but like he was my biggest fan you know what i'm saying so uh like i think him him not being here was was part of the challenge and also i think more when i delve more and more into the young professional part of my life right the me being in corporate america i have less and less friends who are also creatives okay the majority of my friends are professionals and so as a result of not being surrounded by a lot Creative of creatives, people. you don't, you're, it's difficult to get in your creative bag, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I think, you know, there was a time frame when my boy Lalo, who I talk about, who produced Don't Cry and played the keys on outro, um, when he used to come over to my crib every Sunday and we just work on stuff. We just, just set up shop and just work on stuff right like just make stuff and i think when you have your creative juices flowing it's like riding a bike right mm -hmm. like you're already going but when you don't exist in a creative space then you have to actually make a concerted effort to put yourself in your creative bag and work was there ever a time when you were like you know what just fuck this whole project i'm gonna move on to the next one i'm just gonna stop altogether. many times okay many times uh but you know we here all right well i mean look congrats because you know i've done a, a project here and there yeah uh, but nothing that required me to write lyrics just random compilation shits that i did right um but even those which were not nearly as tasking as this like that was a big challenge for me yeah you know uh and my friends know that i'm big on starting something and not finishing it and i'm not it's saying tough. that no you're yeah, right I'm not, I'm not proud of that um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my friends actually get really frustrated with the fact uh -huh. that you know because i'm always working on like something else always gets my attention and yeah. whatever um so yeah. i have to give you props for being able to, to to focus and and being able to uh being able to release this um i want to get more into the creative process a little bit but before i do that when will this be released and how, and how can we hear it um so i'm planning on dropping it hopefully in december okay um so i mean very very soon um and I, it'll be available on all platforms um I'll probably put it up on yinkadiz.com first. Okay. Um, and then from there, um, maybe after a week of pre-orders or whatever, then you'll be able to hear it on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Okay. I would say if you like it, please buy it. You know what I'm saying? Or share it. Mm -hmm. Like, like I think, you know, the main thing that you can do, especially in an era where music is no longer a commodity, is if you like something, just share it with somebody else. You know, because I think like... I think music kind of used to propagate a little bit more organically, mm -hmm. you know, back in the days. I remember people telling me about UGK because they went to college and somebody had a tape and played it in the dorm room or right. screwed music. You know what I mean? So like that kind of yeah, that like word of mouth where it's like it's a it's a it's a melting pot. And I think I think we are now kind of in an era where we're spoon fed a lot of our media. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, um, 
I think people discount just how important it is to share what you actually really like and are passionate about, because that's really the only way that it's going to get out there because we're just so overloaded with so many images. You know what I okay. mean? So that's, that's my spiel, my soapbox. Where are you drawing your inspiration from primarily? You know, especially mm. given the sense that you're, you know, you're working professional. Right. Um, I don't get the sense that you have to compete with other people in the game, mm. right? Like you're not, you're not out there saying, oh, how can I make a, a hit record? And maybe you are, right. but you're not necessarily doing it the same way that, that Drake might have to think about it, right. you know, constantly. Yeah. Um, so where are you kind of getting your inspiration? Like, you know, who, what, what artist music, um, mm. either from back of the day, now, hip hop, not hip hop, anything, yeah. what is inspiring you and what types of things are you trying to create? Like, you know, with that inspiration? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, I think something that inspires me a lot actually is travel. I think okay. when I, when I travel to new places, um, you know, just all of those, the, the new experiences and things like that, they definitely like stimulate my creative brain. Like there was a time period where like, I only wrote lyrics when I was on a plane, like, cause it's just like, interesting. Just, I would be on the plane and you know, I'd be looking out the window and I would just be st like creatively stimulated in that way. Um, so, uh, that for sure, uh, things that like challenge me, I think like even in, in at a work environment, like doing something new, um, I, I think stimulates my creative brain and, and inspires me. Um, the other thing I'll say about this album and actually the next one, probably more than this is, um, I feel like the whole fight or flight thing is real. Okay. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've noticed about myself when I'm going through something, I retreat to my, my older sense of self, my mm. younger sense of self. And so like, that's essentially where I, yeah, love story is really coming from. It's a space where like, if I'm going through something, I find myself writing lyrics about myself when I was in high school, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, or or right, things right. that I went through in high school, like it's almost just you retreat back to that creative space. But I think, you know, the goal of the departure is to kind of be in the here and now. And that's what, what that's about. Okay. So, so, okay. So which records did you produce on here? Um, I produced outro with, uh, with my boy Lalo who did the, the keys, which is actually the intro. Yeah. Outro is the intro. <laughs> and it's funny though. It's funny that you say that. Cause I've already had mix ups. Um, when I did the album art, the uh the graphic designer was like oh you uh, you got a typo here i'm like nah that's that's the outro is the <laughs> intro and then when i uh when i was having the, the the album mastered the mastering engineer same deal he's like but this is the last song right I'm like no, no this is the first, first one. Song. uh but uh yeah so i produced that um let's see what else i did breathe um, which is like uh, a song that's featuring Concrete, which is dope uh, for folks that have been following the journey. Concrete is my video director. He's a genius. I call him the Mexican Francis Ford Coppola. Like, he, he's nice. So, uh, but he also raps. And so, uh, so Concrete, uh, who did the Hear Me Do video and has done most of my music videos, is on on breathe. Y'all should y'all um, should do a video for this one. Yeah, I think so, yo. So yo, concrete, you you I hope you're hearing this, man. We 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 do need to do one. He's 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 a beast. Um he's working on some stuff for Rock Nation right now, actually. Oh, that's dope. Um yeah, and then revolutionary. Um, okay. 
as well. Which is the actual outro. Which is the well, actual outro. Unless you want to just call Mr. Perfect, but Mr. Mr. Perfect, Perfect is bonus just cut. a bonus track. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was um, what would you consider, I guess, your most challenging track to do? Um, um, and not just because of, not just because of coordinating schedules. Mm-hmm. Actual from a musical challenging perspective, like you mm-hmm. know, you're working on something. You're like, you know, this just isn't coming together the way yeah. I want it to come. Yeah. So, you know. Tell me the track, go through that process. I kind of want to know, you know, what that's like for you. I would say revolutionary and outro. Okay. Um, I'll start with revolutionary. Revolutionary is probably what it, what it really is. Um, so these are two tracks that you had a large hand in, in producing. I produced both, yeah. Okay. And so revolutionary, um, it started with this string sample that I found. And then I have like, um, kind of like live congas. So I, okay. so the beat initially was just the string sample and live congas and i rapped over it okay um and then i was like i want this to be more musical and then that was when i i I happened to go to cali and i played it for tone and tone's like oh let me let me get the guitar on it let me put the guitar on it so he does it and then like i said i lost it and then i had to get him to do it again um sorry tone (laughs) so uh so there was that then um then I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I want I want to get like more drums on this. So I'm playing all these different drums, but the pocket for the the congas and the drums that I'm playing, they, they just make, weren't sinking. Yeah, they don't and match. so like I'm like, ah, so eventually what I ended up doing was I think I um I found a live hi-hat sample. Okay. And then like I I don't know, like I like I think I like quantized it in a way that the that the hi-hat the live hi-hat like hit to where the congas hit mm-hmm. then i took like a drum break i put I, I slid the drum break in and then i had these horns i have these horn stabs but then so i put the horn stab in but it was out of tune so then i had to use auto tune to tune the horn stab to the track right anyway long story short i end up having to leave the studio the original studio because i couldn't get the mixes done okay so then i have the record in in the way that i initially made it but the horn stab is still out of tune but i don't have the same program that i used to detune mm. the horn the way i wanted it right so then i had to get that done again and then i wanted a live bass on it i had gotten a live bass at the at the other studio then i brought it internally i went to atlanta and i met a bass player um at a3c a music conference and uh and he played the bass and the rest is history so So where do you so when you go around and you travel and Mm -hmm. you have your song on file whatever and you meet a musician like oh hey do you want to add something like how does that Mm -hmm. work yeah i mean this was really random and interesting um i went to like kind of a networking mixer thing okay and uh there was a panel and so the panel spoke and the last thing this one lady said was you know she's like all these people around here they're all going to be the future of music essentially and she was like um some of you she was like some of you are going to get really far and some of you aren't going to get anywhere right so she's like so you guys should all try to know each other so that you know like hopefully you know when everything pops off for one or you know one person does this one person does that maybe you can help each other and she was like she was like how many people in here need I don't remember what it was, beats or mm-hmm. something. Then like, you know, 90% of the room raised their hand. She's like, how many people in here are producers? 
and like people raise their hand. You know right. what I mean? So it's like stuff like that. So she said, How many of you play an instrument? I saw some hands go up. And then there was a guy that had a bass on his chest. And he was like, I played a bass. And I was like, oh, Okay. So, so, you know, they dismissed the whole joint. And I went straight up to the dude. I'm like, Yeah, you played a bass. You got anything I can hear? XYZ. I'm working on this song. And literally like i got home he had already like sent me some stuff so he goes it. and records it with his things and then sends it to you right so i okay. sent him the track i said yo this is kind of what i want you know and he's like oh he's like oh i got something for this and i'm like yeah he's like yeah so then so you have a track with no it. bass line and he just comes up with one yeah that's kind of so crazy he came in and he played the bass on it um and then i went back in and edited his his live right. session so i i have like some drops and fills and things like that um which is similar to what i did with uh with tone and the guitar parts and how do you compensate these uh these collaborators i actually paid uh paid uh the bassist his name's saint james shout out to saint james does he have um, like a set fee or did you guys just yeah like he had that? like a set fee so he was like yo you know this is my rate i'm not gonna put his rate on here but this is my rate and i was like all right cool i can cool. pay that so the process you, that you just explained, uh -huh. right, is that normal for someone who perhaps does not have the backing of a, of a record label or mm -hmm. who doesn't do this full time? Yeah. Um, is that normal for them to produce the record? Like, is, is this the type of things that like other artists in your situation mm -hmm. go through constantly? I think um, I think that it typically happens more organically for some other artists okay. in that um, I record. I have a home studio, so. I'm really doing this in a vacuum. Right. Whereas I think a lot of other recording artists record at these big studios. And so you might be in room A and, you know, two chains might be in room B. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm giving a random person's name. But, you know, another artist might be in room B and you overhear the music that they're working on. And you're like, oh, I'm working on this. Oh, I'm a bass player. Oh, you know, like I think those more organic situations would happen more if you were in a communal recording environment as opposed to being someone who does it. Okay, so it sounds like you feel your experience is a little bit unique. Maybe, maybe not. I, I wouldn't say rare, but mm -hmm. just more unique in the sense mm -hmm. that it sounds like you're saying you feel like most artists in your situation are in a more collaborative community yeah. space, and you are recording music, which is right where we are right now. If right, I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Right. Uh, and and yes, for, for folks who don't know, um, let me just go on a real quick tangent. <laughs> a lot of people have given us props for how well we sound, uh, and that's entirely because both Yink and I do have. I have some recording experience, but Yink obviously has a lot more, and that sound is important to us. Uh, for those who are curious, we are recording in his room um, at his place, and so yeah. Anyway, I just <laughs> yeah. want to get that out there. Appreciate it. Okay, so if you had a sound, like what? How would you describe it? So I've always said that like my sound is like a street cosmopolitan sound. I know that sounds kind of it is not really descriptive enough to say exactly what uh you know what you're probably asking. Um, but I would say I I make the soundtrack to the Black Travel Movement. Like okay. you know my my music is is uh, hip hop for young professionals. So it would be like Travel is the New Club or um, Black People Travel. What, what are those yeah, Instagram Travel hashtags? Travel Noir. Travel and, Noir, uh, that's the one. And all of them joints. Yeah, shout so, out to them. So your soundtrack, your your album would be a good soundtrack for that. So the I next time so, yeah. I'm going to South Africa or Brazil, Cuba, I, you know, this, right. is, this is what I need to listen to on a plane. I think so, yeah. I think this is what you need to listen to, yo. And, um, and, I, and I also want to say... You know, after IE a love story, and and even during the, the the beautiful thing about the way you can release music now, right, is um, 
you can sign up with a distributor Mm -hmm. um and you can distribute whatever um and you know we talked a while back about the whole uh and i think you and shamira vehemently disagreed but uh we talked about the whole um album as a medium and if, if it's going away yeah um but i think the single is the predominant medium mm-hmm. of music and so you know as a result of that while i am going to put out another project that c- kind of is a throwback to another time in my life i'm still going to be releasing music that's you know timely and kind of themed in the way that the departure is themed so you so. said something that i really want to dive into you actually said it a, a few a few like a minute ago mm-hmm. um what about this album can the the black traveling professional how, how can it really resonate with them like mm-hmm. what is it lyrically is it musically like mm-hmm. what are the types of things that you're talking about that you feel other mm-hmm. people you know in that space would be really be like oh yeah like i mm-hmm. I, I i get this so W.E.B. Du Bois talked about a concept of of Tunis in in, in the black identity, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's 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 almost like to be a black person in America, you have to be two people, okay. right? You kind of you have to be the person that's the face that when you are in corporate America, or the face that when you get pulled over for no reason by a police officer. So we're talking about whatever, code switching, right? Yeah, code switching essentially. Um, and I think that that's just something that's part of our identity and that is very contained in the music that's on this album um i think you can you can hear and feel that it definitely has an urban feel and it is an urban black experience but at the same time i think it's dressed up in a way that gives you what i would say is the heart of what we're calling the black travel movement or you know the young black professional movement so i could ask a question uh you know what is your favorite track on here but i'm not Mm going to do that instead i want to piggyback off of that response and say what song best represents that feeling of what Mm -hmm. you're talking about and would you uh, would you feel that that song also best represents the departure as an album um so that's a two two layer question. I would say the song that embodies the black travel movement the best is outro. Okay. I would say the song that embodies the spirit of of where we are as a young black professional group would be revolutionary. Okay. Um, but uh yeah, I mean revolutionary the hook's like I'm too legit, too legit to quit. Um, they say the game looking for improvement. This is it. We come at 20 deep and a few of them can spit young black scholars doing revolutionary shit. Um, so like th- the whole joint is just a celebration of like where we are from where we came from. Okay. You know, I got you. Yeah. So if, um, well, when I initially asked that question about like, you know, um, who would this be for? And uh, you know, you answered you answered this uh, the question um, not how I would expected you to, but I I do appreciate the the, the direction that you took it. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm curious about like, you know, what other give me an example of an artist that you think that um, I don't want to say that you sound like, but like someone who's listening to Little Yachty is not going to like this, right? Right. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, but I'm sure that there's someone who's in the black travel movement who might like Little Yachty. Right. So what would be an example of an artist that like, you know, not, I don't want to say they have a similar sound, but like people mm-hmm. who like you would also like this artist. Uh, I mean, maybe J. Cole. J. Cole, you know, okay. I, I would say J. Cole more so than Kendrick, just because I think, 
Kendrick is able to make very timely music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that the, fo- the focus of my music is, has not been to make timely music. So, right. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of records that are going to fit like radio format or, you know, they sound like anything else that's kind of going on. Um, I think Kendrick is really dope. And I think that it, he, he's kind of a little bit more of a chameleon than like a J. Cole. So okay. that's the reason why I would say J. Cole probably. Okay. Uh, well, so do you have a fa- favorite track? It changes. And right. I, I think that's what I love about this album. And I love about most albums that I love is that, you know, um, my favorites change. Um, I think Hear Me, though, is like just your like straight four on the floor. Yo, I can rap song. And I, and I love Yo, I can rap songs. So that would be one of my favorites. I think Cut the Check is currently my favorite. Okay. And it's just because it's just like straight up like ignorant. It kind of has like that bounce, the bounce that people like to listen to now. Like okay. I played it for friends and they were like doing the little Millie Rock dance when they were listening to it. So I was like, okay, now I know I got one here. Uh, so yeah, it, it, right now it's Cut the Check. Okay. Are there any songs on here that you feel um, kind of a disappointment that you might have underperformed? I may so I think that revolutionary did not come out the way I wanted it to. Interesting. I did a lot, a lot to get it to be what it is. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know if you remember, but um when Kanye did late registration, mm-hmm. he um later I think he put out a different version of it and then he put out late orchestration. Oh, that's where he had like an orchestra come in and like play out like the string parts on like lots of the songs and stuff like that, because he always just said that like he just had such a bigger vision for it, but he wasn't able to do it like within the time and resources that he had. Okay, Um, that would be revolutionary for me. Like, I think one day I'm going to do a late orchestration version of revolutionary because I think that song could be a lot bigger than where I left it. Okay, how many producers do you have on here? Um, so outros me and Lalo. Hear me though is Superville. Shout out to Superville. Superville actually just got a couple big placements. He did something for Fifty Cent. He did something for I didn't realize Fifty Cent was still making um, music. <laughs> he did something for uh, a couple of other cats. So shout out to Superville. He's really good. He's from Toronto. I actually met him in Atlanta at the same spot where I got my my equipment jacked. Oh wow. <laughs> uh yeah, but but really dope producer from Toronto that I met. Um Complete Control is produced uh, Complete Control in Vegas are produced by David Bocuse. He's from Paris. Um he's a random organic relationship that I or I guess inorganic relationship that I built off uh off the internet. Mm-hmm. He had a beat he released a beat tape uh back in like 2012 2013 i happened to get my hands on it i rapped on one of the songs i sent him an email and was like yo i really like your beat and he was like yo i like your song and then we became cool and he tossed me those two beats he also produced uh you can never find another off of uh off of the radiant child Mm -hmm. um so shout out to him um you and me was produced by kid soul brother shout out to him he's from texas um Night in Dubai is produced by Joe Prime. He's dope too. He's also from Texas. Uh, Cut the Check was Beat Fanatic. He's dope too. <laughs> Seven Seas was uh, was Day One. Uh, day One for for folks that don't remember, he did done it all on uh, on New Art New Money, 
which I think is probably my biggest single to date. So mm -hmm. shout out to Day One. Um, he does a lot of stuff with Snoop now. Um, he's like really bossing up on the on the West Coast. I think he's actually signed a priority now. So shout out to him. Um, yeah. What about Vegas and Breathe? Vegas uh, was David Bocuse. Oh, okay. Breathe is me. Okay. I produced it. So which of these producers that you have featured on here that you really, really just enjoy working with, um, you know, in terms of the result, in terms of just the, you know, the collaboration, things just, mm -hmm. you guys both have the same vision. You're like, oh, like, I get it. Like, this is exactly what I want. I like David Bocuse just okay. because, like, he's somebody who... Um, He's also a young professional. He's also a father. Shout out to him, his kid. Um, but he'll just send me stuff. Like, he'll be like, oh, yo, I was working on this. Boom. And it's just like, it's it's kind of like the, it's it's not it's not what you want, but it's what you need. Okay. So, like, he sent me Vegas. And, like, I, the, the reason I like Vegas is because uh, I get very, very mixed uh, feedback on Vegas. Like, People either love Vegas or they hate it. Mm -hmm. the, the sound is just so, it's just like electronic and sparse and strange. Mm. But like he sent it to me and I think he sent, he sent me like four beats at that point in time. And I heard that one. And I think that was the beat that he expected me to rap on the least. But I rapped on it and I sent it back to him and he was like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, I like, I like the fact that, you know, he'll throw me curveballs and change ups and things like that. Um, so and then you know day one's just the shit like so mm -hmm. shout out to him I, I i actually we have one more record that we we, we supposed to do so i'm gonna i'm gonna come calling for that record a funny story uh actually uh when i met day um i met day through uh any means um i bought some beats from day one um done it all was one of them uh seven c's was one of them this was back in like 2012 so this was around in the uh, new art new money time um and so i bought like five beats from day so the next day um one of the homies hits me and goes hey we, we're doing a studio session with busy bone you want to come through so i'm like oh yo hip-hop legend so i roll out to the we roll out to the studio it's me it's any means there's a couple other uh mcs we get to the studio busy bone has has bounced already he was like i don't know he went to go get something to eat or something like that right but um they're like, yo, I at least let us show you the records we've been working on. So uh, so they start playing all the records. Like, oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. They go to track three. Boom. One of the beats that I bought from Day. <laughs> and Busy's rapping on it. So I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I just bought this beat. Right. So everybody in the studio is dying. Oh, son, you got scammed. You got, you got, you know, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, nah, yo, this ain't cool at all. So I called Day up and I'm like, yo, it was good. You know, and he's like, oh, they didn't even tell me that Busy was going to use that beat. You know, they're like, he's like, I submitted beats to them way back. They said they didn't want any of them. I didn't know he was going to record on that. My bad. I got you on another beat. Don't even trip. So I was like, all right, you know, pieced it up. I still need that beat. Day was good. Yo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me get on one of them Snoop Dogg tracks, bruh. Nah, but I uh, definitely love working with Day. He's dope. So okay, well, who is not on here that you really want on here? Like, you know, who would really help complete? Not not that the project is incomplete, but who would really help take this project to another level? And you could say anybody. Like, anybody. if I could just sit in the studio with anybody. Yeah, like any a anybody. Like you can say Dr. Dre if you want. I to. would probably say Dr. Dre. Dr. Like Dre? if if Dr. Dre got this album, it would be much more musical than it is. Okay. Um, I would have loved to have had like. 
I'm I'm really big on music and mm-hmm. I would I would love to have had more opportunities to collaborate with musicians and really paint my vision cuz I'm I'm more like a visionary type of producer. Okay, well what's next yeah. in your vision? Where where where, where does Yinka Diz go next? Well, Yinka Diz goes back to uh to to the IE, to growing up in IE on IE Love Story. That's on your project, but where yeah. do you go next in terms of music? Like what are some of the other things that you want to accomplish? Mm. Is it just putting passion projects together or maybe touring more, maybe doing collaborations, maybe, you know, networking yeah. more, meeting more artists that you could work with? Yeah. Is there another producer that you like, you know what, like I haven't had a chance to work with this person yet, but I so, want to. So realistically speaking, um, there's a passion project that's kind of been sitting on the back burner for a long time. I'm putting this into the air. Like I said, my boy Lalo used to come through um, and his wife, Jen, uh, she's a singer. Um, and we kind of have this group that we never really, never really fleshed out called The Method. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to write records together and things like that. And we always said we were going to put out a project, a Method project. Um, you know, Lalo is really dope. He's a classically trained pianist. He's 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 really dope on the keys. Um, his And Jen is, her voice is amazing. She's an excellent singer. Um, and so, you know... I feel like from the production perspective, I always hear Irv Gotti talk about how he's a producer, but he does he's not hands-on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like ideally that would be me. Okay. And I love working with, with Lalo because m- musically he can do a lot of things that I don't have the technical skill to do, but like, mm-hmm. I, but I have the vision. Uh-huh. So like outro is a good example of it, right? Lalo came through, he played a piano riff. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Let me record it. So I recorded the piano riff. And now you have a song that has all these other layers on it. But without him playing that piano riff, you wouldn't have had that song. Right. So it would be dope to like really be able to just get in the studio with them and lock in and like do a whole project because you're going to get a whole different side of Yinka Diz on the method. Like we have one or two songs that we never released. I can play them for you. Um, but they're, it's more parts R&B than it is hip hop. No, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So who are some of the features? And, uh, you know, how do you even meet? these folks like is it just something mm. online you're like oh i heard this and and i want to work with you or mm. is it you know things you're talking about with the conference or just mm. you know how about how or, or also how about genuine relationships that mm. maybe you formed throughout the years you know from a while back yeah so for me the features with the features i'm not like a you know i don't know you and i just met you and i want to want to verse like, mm. like that's not really the way i operate i would say with the exception of having glasses malone on new art new money every verse that i've had has been like yo you my man can i get a, can i get a verse i'm gonna send you this this is the song you know etc so you know to run it from the top lalo did background vocals on on outro um and i've told you a lot about him that's my boy i've known him since since the days in charlottesville okay um hear me though he actually also did some um did some background layers on on hear me though on the hook um, complete control, no features. Don't cry, no features. Uh, Vegas, no features. You and me, no features. Night in Dubai, no features. Cut the check, Benz. Um, Benz is a really dope MC from this area. I think he's he's either from Springfield or Burke. Okay, um, oh, shout out. I wonder if yeah, he's really dope. He uh, he's on that track, and um, that's where I'm from. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, he he um just happened to be recording out of the same studio that i told you about and so i met him through there and, it, and it's it's all it's almost like the whole you know the whole biggie and, and jay thing they always talk about all right like 
they had mutual friends and everything but they didn't really know each other but they always respected each other like right. i feel like that was always me and ben I, whenever i would come in for a session he would be leaving a session mm. or whatever and we would just see each other and and they say oh yo ben's is working on something and i'll say oh let me stop and i would stop and i would just listen to what he was working on and i had a lot of respect for him like out of all the cats that was there i was like this cat is nice so you know when i came to do the album actually i came in one day and i said i got this record i think he would sound good on it and he was like let me hear it so i played it for him he was like oh yeah 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 i got something for that and then months went by where like we never did anything and then finally i bumped into him again and i was like here's the track i'm gonna email it to you right now you know let me get a verse on it and so he he, he dropped his verse his verse is dope so i'm, I'm okay. excited for everybody to hear that breathe has concrete on it i've told you about mm -hmm. me and concrete's relationship he's he's a really really dope uh video producer who also rhymes um seven seas has shali serrano on it that is a relationship that day one has okay and so day one got shali serrano on that on that hook shout out to her um and then revolutionary has a, a cat named darian on it darian's a singer he used to come to the crib sometimes and work on records, uh, but this would be the first record that we actually put out together. What about uh, Mr. Perfect? No features. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How come Mr. Perfect didn't make its way into the standard track list? Why do you have it as a as a bonus cut? So Mr. Perfect is actually not even really on this okay. um, album. Uh, Mr. Perfect is a song that's the most recent of, of all of these songs. Um, it's really a song where I was on SoundCloud and I heard this beat and the beat was crazy and i and i hit the dude up and i was like yo um like what's good with this can i rap on it it's very trappy it, it doesn't even really fit the format of the album but um i i rapped uh, he he sent it to me i rapped on it and he was like yo this is dope i was like yeah so um i added it but i added it as a bonus cut it okay. doesn't necessarily fit the storyline of the album but it does kind of fit the thematics of the album and i think it, it also gives you a, a more current would record. you want to work with this producer again and and, and as song that you know with this sound or is yeah, that a little too I, trappy for you it's a little trappy but I, I mean i feel like if we intentionally tried to put something together what that was a mix of our styles it could work okay yeah cool so so how come i'm not featured on here what's good <laughs> That's a good question, yo. I, 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 do, do you really be rapping like that? Yo, I don't think Still? I've written anything in like 15 years. <laughs> but yo, I could also, do something. Also, speaking of cats that needed to be on this album, that were on this album, shout out to my boy Quiz. Quiz has been on each project in the New Art, New Money series, the New Art, New Money, Radiant Child. He wasn't on this album, but he should have been on this album. So shout out to Quiz. We're going to have to get one. Have to make up, a makeup record. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I think that kind of runs through everything for me. Uh, is there yeah. anything else you would like to to add? Any other stories we need to hear when it comes to the, the departure LP? Let's see. Any funny stories? Let me think. Oh, Vegas. So, um, there's for for folks that know there's there's two videos from this project already. Um, right. Hear me though is a video. I flew out to LA. Uh, I rented a convertible. And we shot a music video in the Venice Beach area. Uh, really, really enjoyed making that video. That this was like quintessential and classic concrete and Yinka. Like, like all of our videos are just like the only one we really ever tried to premeditate was Vegas. It, all of our videos is just like, hey, concrete, I'm gonna be in LA, about to rent a car. All right, let's shoot a video. Cool. <laughs> 
right, shoot the video. Like that. That's like pretty much the way we've done all of them, from done it all to that. Like, but with Vegas, we try to actually have a concept. Um, and the concept was the the Hangover. Okay. So essentially, um, I happened to be coming to Vegas. I hit concrete up in advance. I was like, yo, come to Vegas, whatever you need. Let me know. Like if you need a rental car, if you need, or you want to fly out there or whatever, let me know. So concrete comes to Vegas. Um, and, but the, the whole deal was we had this whole concept, but I was there with Okim, Brian, uh, you know, and Jeff. Yeah, cats, right? Yeah. Um, so I was there with, with friends. None of them wanted to be in the video. What? So they all like, and it's funny because everybody has revisionist history, right? The video, <laughs> the video came out, and then they're like, "Oh, how come we weren't in it?" Y'all try to get y'all in it, but anyway, um, there were multiple scenes that we needed that we needed other people to be. Right. We needed extras, and they were supposed to be in the video, and they didn't. They didn't film. So as a result of them not participating, we couldn't really do the theme anymore. Uh, so as a result of that, we just had this disparate footage of me chilling in Vegas. Like it was like, okay. So, and then, and so if, if you watch the video, it actually doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? Cause it's like, Interesting. it's like, uh, there's scenes with me just standing in the desert during the day with Vegas in the background. And then the rest of the scenes are like, you know, nighttime Vegas scenes. Like I'm chilling on a balcony, I'm rapping or I'm in a hotel room or whatever. Um, but there were two sequences that didn't happen. Sequence one, I was supposed to have a girl shoot in the hotel room, right? And we weren't able to get that. What um, it was it was supposed to happen in L.A. and all this stuff. I, I don't know. Whatever happened, it didn't work out. We didn't. We weren't able to do it. Okay. Um, and so we ended up having to get this other footage of other stuff that, if you see the video, you you know what I'm talking about. Okay. As a, as as opposed to that, so that was a, a quintessential piece of the video that that didn't happen. The second was this whole hangover theme, which for folks that you know have seen the hangover, right? Like the whole theme is like, we lost the groom, like where is he? Right. Right. So we went out to the desert to shoot the we lost the groom like scenes, but then they didn't come. So then we didn't have the people to do the we lost the groom scene. So all That's we right. have is just the footage of me rapping out in the desert for no reason. <laughs> so if you watch that video, it's kind of funny because it doesn't make any sense. But yo, you know, I mean, just know that, you know, my heart was in the right place when I filmed it. I hope you enjoy it. Um, any other funny stories from this? Um, let's see. Make sure to put me in the next video. <laughs> if it's local for sure. Uh, night in dubai is a mildly funny story uh i got the beat from this dude uh this dude joe prime shout out to joe prime um a long time ago um and then but i didn't i didn't put the record out or anything like that so uh once i finally recorded the record and put it out um i hit him up and then like i guess the my distribution company sent him like a cease and desist Cause he had like a he had a video like on YouTube or something with the, the with the instrumental in the background, mm -hmm. so they sent him like a cease and desist on his own beat. Like, yo, you you can't you know you can't put this out. Like this is this is property of Yinka Diz. <laughs> so he hit me up and he's like, Doug, like what what the fuck? Like this is my shit. So like, I essentially had to go in and clear up the whole you know like this guy is also part owner of this song. Like he <laughs> produced it, etc. So that's that's kind of funny. Uh, I think that's it. Cool.
All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for the exclusive uh, Yinka Diz interview on his third LP, The Departure, which will release uh, sometime in December um, on all the, the platforms to so go all out. Platforms. Support your man. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening to the podcast, but support the music as well. And I think that the idea is that after I listen to this, this album and digest it, <laughs> we're gonna come back and do it and make it a classic yeah so is there is there is are you looking forward to that you excited i'm a, I'm a little scared dog. A little scared? I, I think we might need a mediator or a moderator or something like well, that maybe, maybe we'll have to do that <laughs> all right so that, that'll that'll do it for me that'll do it for you could do all right yo peace and blessings peace see me with a broad perfect when my song come on, she gon' work. And if it piss you off, that's on purpose. Put your game down, girl, flip it in reverse. And my call, perfect. If it piss you off, that's on purpose. And my shows pack out like black churches. Hallelujah, amen, welcome to the service. Uh. Guess who's back in the kitchen Messing up your mama good dishes A young west sider with a rider's ambition Gave him one or two joints trying to help him see the vision Yeah, Dark skin tone, black veteran Coop redder than the sweater on Kimball Dion in his prime, all I see is end zone Haters trying to crop, kick rocks, Freddie Flintstone Rest in peace, M-Bone, this is Cali swag Dipping through the district in them forms with the Cali tags You looking at me like you probably mad But I'ma rep it till they put me in the body bag I'm Lonzo Ball at the Staples. All I could do is be grateful. I got enough that I don't reach for every offer on the table. And I ain't even dropped my debut. See me for the broad. Perfect. When my song come on, she gon' work.